0: Four, three,
1: two, one. Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and hey, there's a baby. We got a baby on this show. What do you have to say, baby? Oh, now he stops talking. Uh, Jake's here. Jake with son Dalton.
2: Hello. I am. I'm here. It's good to be back, and uh, I got my son riding shotgun through, uh, through this podcast here.
1: That's right, man. Slap a baby on board sticker to this podcast.
2: Better watch my fucking talk... language.
1: right. We're going to tell this kid about some real fucked up movies, some exploding shit, and some, some fucking evisceration. Isn't that right, Myros? Uh, I'm just happy you showed up this week, Steve.
0: Yeah. Did you bring your kids? Uh, well, the dog's are around here somewhere. That's
1: about as close as I can get. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I' Sorry. I couldn't make it next or last week, man. This job sometimes has me travel to places and I just I can't make it work all the time. But you had uh, a great guest host. It's like you ditched me for a week and you upgraded. That doesn't sound half bad. Uh we did have a good guest. I think I think it was a, a fine
0: episode except for me bumbling through trying to handle hosting duties and probably uh forgetting to mention like 17 things in the outro, you know.
1: That's fine. That's fine. I mean, you know, it's uh it's what we do. We we get a lot of new listeners from a high-profile guest and then we uh we fuck it up. That's how we do it. Yeah. And that, that, uh, we had a we had a great topic. I I think it was a good episode. And now we don't have a guest, and uh, instead of a beloved New York grindhouse filmmaker, we're covering someone who I'm pretty sure, if you mention his name, the initial reaction from 99.9% of people is going to be, "Who the fuck is that?" We're talking yeah. Jack Shoulder. <laughs> I think I'm
0: included <laughs> in that. I'm like, wait, what? What establishes this guy as like a auteur enough that he needs like a, a focus point here? They, this answer this, is, this,
2: this question, Shoulder. Uh, I, <laughs> I will answer that I question will. in two words The Hidden. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay. And we'll get there.
1: We'll get there. Uh, yeah. He is, he's a really interesting guy because he had a string of really good horror slash horror adjacent movies in the 1980s. He actually, uh, Shoulder got his start. Uh, he was an editor on The Burning, which is another really fun slasher movie. And uh, you, you could kind of see, The DNA of that in his in his debut Alone in the Dark, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah, he he had another action film in the late 1980s called Renegade. And then he did a lot of TV work, uh, some made for TV movies, some series uh, throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Had a couple of direct to video movies as well, uh, including Wishmaster 2. Mario, I also know you're a big Wishmaster head. Yeah, wrote and directed Wishmaster too. I wonder why we
0: didn't cover that. And that's that's like almost almost his most singular film.
1: <laughs> I mean, he wrote and directed Alone in the Dark as well. But yes, uh, you know maybe maybe we'll do we'll do a second episode for him at some point because you know he did Arachnid, uh, and then the movie that oddly enough I know him best for because for some reason when it came out in in the year two thousand. I probably saw this in the theaters like three times. Uh, Supernova, Myros, do you remember Supernova? I I do remember it. I don't think I've ever seen
0: it. I remember its existence certainly. Yeah,
1: well, not a lot of people saw it. I I mean, me going to the theater three times to see it uh, was actually—I mean—that was probably two-thirds of its gross. Uh, but Here I yeah, that it was directed was by word. Alan Smithy. <laughs> well, it was, you know, yeah. because. Shoulder no, started Walter Hill
0: it. is the credit <laughs> Walter Hill is the credited director.
1: <laughs> yeah, Walter Hill's the credited director. Uh shoulders started off on it but uh it got wrestled away from him and uh apparently Francis Ford Coppola had some <laughs> also, hand in it. Yeah. Also an uncredited director.
0: Think of this yeah. fucking horrible like d-grade uh theatrical action film and it's got walter hill and francis ford coppola directing and jack shoulder come Uh, on well uh and and uh, william uh, malone story
1: credit yeah this this is an all-star thing here great great cast you got james motherfucking spader you got robert forrester you got lou diamond phillips I mean, that's not exactly the, who else you want you would here. would think
0: they'd be casting uh, in an action film in the
1: year 2000, but uh, no, so it goes. no, you, you wouldn't think that, would you? Uh, yeah. So I haven't seen that. Uh, I was going to rewatch it for this podcast. We ended up recording a little bit early. I was like, hey, you know, I, I'll save Supernova for another time. So, yeah, maybe we'll do another shoulder episode. But uh, that was my introduction to Jack Shoulder. And then, of course, uh, as I, you know, got more and more into horror movies, eventually uh, I, I got around to seeing Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which we're also going to discuss this week, uh, which got a lot to say about that one. But hey, Alone in the Dark. And you might be saying to yourself, gee, Steve, I've heard of this. Isn't that a 2005 Uwe Boll movie? And to which I say, no, you dumb motherfucker. This isn't the Uwe Boll episode. <laughs> This is the Jack Shoulder episode. 2005 Uwe Bull movie. To be fair, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But in the context of this podcast, uh, (laughs) no. The reason why you probably have never seen Alone in the Dark is because uh, one, until pretty recently, it didn't have a Blu Ray release. So, uh, and I, I don't know how readily available the DVD was. And two, when you say Alone in the Dark, most people immediately think of the Uwe Boll movie from 2005. Terrorist right. scientist. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. Or perhaps the, the video game that it's based on, you know. Also true. Or uh, maybe, maybe you are a actual child and like, like Dalton here. And <laughs> it's a good point, Dalton. And what he probably remembers is the 2022 movie alone in the dark, which is a two be original that just came out. So uh, <laughs> that's the only one he was, he's been able to see. So so is that yeah, one based on the video game? No, no. It's or like, or is it a uh, remake of this? No, but it's more. It's more 1982 Alone in the Dark than it is video game or 2005 Alone in the Dark. It's uh, it's like a home invasion movie. Uh, it actually reminds me a little bit of based on the plot of uh, I think it's called Hush, the one about the the deaf lady who's uh, it's just By like the her Mike and someone Flanagan. trying to break her out. Mike Flanagan house? film there. Yeah, Flanagan, and I, I think the to be original and. I, I read about this like last week, so I could be totally wrong on this, but I think it's about a woman who's on house arrest or something, and someone's trying to break into her house. So
0: I'm looking at uh, it right yeah. now. It's directed by a man named Brant. That that's not a name. Just Brant,
1: nothing else. Just Brant. Well, no, his, oh, his
0: name his is Branch Doherty. You might think that Brant is a, is perhaps a common name in Europe or something, but no. Son of He's Shannon, from Ohio. I, I, oh, okay. There's no such good, name good as Brant, Ohio. Get fucked. It's, it's Brent or bust here.
2: I was hoping yeah, it was Brent just a mononymous filmmaker named Brant. Like, that's just the <laughs> life he chose to go by. You know the films of Brant?
1: <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's the next episode. The films of Brant. Uh, well, there's only the one, yeah. so uh, we're in good shape. We, uh, uh, yeah. A light week. Short episode.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> we just cover a load of the dark. Request it now, listeners. <laughs> That's right. Throw your All Patreon these people. Money are just, away. I
1: I could hear the Brant chants now <laughs> coming through. We're gonna get big big emails that Myros has to read, where it's just people writing Brant over and over and over again. They know what they want. Uh, but yeah, 1982, Alone in the Dark, directed and written by Jack Shoulder. Why should you care about this movie? Well, it's kind of a slasher, but it's kind of not. It's uh, it's really shaggy. It's formless. It's weird. There's not a lot like it. Uh, but at the same time, it, it almost feels like a nice warm blanket because it's got Jack Palance and Martin Landau playing psychopaths, which is great, and they're not phoning it in either. They're ten out of ten the whole time. And then uh, Donald Pleasance, fresh off of Halloween and Halloween Two, is like, you know, I think I'm going to branch out and play a, uh, a a psychologist in a horror movie. So uh, why not? Was there a lot more fun does. with this one? <laughs> yeah yeah oh this is way better i mean god bless dr loomis but you know he's he's got a little empathy for michael but mostly he's he's kind of a flat character uh donald pleasance in this is great it's just like what if dr loomis just smoked a fucking blunt with some hippie dippy asshole it's great uh Ultimate, ultimate lib psychologist.
2: Not just any blunt, but he carries his weed around and smokes it out of a big old peace pipe. (laughs) Yes, I know.
1: It's amazing when he first busts out the pipe in the movie, Jake's not kidding. It's like it's fucking massive. I thought he was going to smoke opium just (laughs) throughout the movie. I'm like, is that an opium pipe from 1862? What the hell is going on? But uh, no, he's just, you know, a little ganche here and there. It's great, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you would think it's a simple setup, but it's, it's far more complicated than it almost needs to be, which is why the first hours, is it's real formless and shaggy, but then it, it kind of zeroes in. But basically, uh, what happens when the power goes out at the mental institution? Uh-oh, the dangerous guys escape, and they're trying to kill uh, the, the dude who played Mad Dog Murdoch on the A-team? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. that's oh, pretty much what it boils down to. So the first half, oh yeah. You, oh yeah, oh yeah, you barely recognize him. So I was like, who the fuck is he? Why do I know who he is? And that's because Murdoch is like a hayseed weirdo. And, uh, you know, his character in this is like an uptight doctor. Uh, but anyways, the, the first hour of this movie really is just this, you know, Mad Dr. Murdoch, Dr. Mad Dog Murdoch showing up. And hanging out with Donald Pleasance, meeting the patients, and uh, Pleasance kind of explains that, you know, at this particular facility, he likes to treat his patients with a lot of empathy. There's no bars on the windows, and there's, there's a handful of very dangerous people up on the third floor, but he has it rigged up to this, like, electrical system, so there's no bars. But if they get, like, too close to the windows, for instance, if, um, yeah, let's say Jack Palance is trying to break out— then a metal grade will just kind of drop down. But, oh, no, what happens when there's a blackout and the backup generator fails? Well, wouldn't you know, Jack Palance and Martin Landauer on the Lamb, um, With a giant it, fat guy
0: and a, and a proto Jason Voorhees.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Why? I don't even I not even know if it's proto Jason Voorhees. When did when did uh, when did Friday the Thirteenth come out?
0: Well, the question is when did the hockey mask come into play, and the answer is oh, after Part this Two, for sure.
1: 1981. But, no,
0: Part so, Three, sir. Part Three. Oh,
2: Part so Two three, is, is, part
0: uh, 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 is the
1: uh, burlap sack. It's Jason. Jason and not his mom. Okay, well, gotcha. Part,
2: so it's so, a big coincidence because Part Three and this film were both released in '82. So, yeah. I don't know if they somebody had a spy on somebody else's film set or something, but uh uh it's uh I like the hockey mask here. It's pretty cool.
1: I do too. I mean, the hockey mask is I mean, it's one of the most naturally terrifying masks in my opinion. So, it's oh, yeah. a good choice. And it it's it's got a legit reason too because uh, what happens when there's a blackout? Why uh there's rioting and looting and <laughs> yes, this you know, they is, lo- this is what I had noticed every time the power goes out. Just chaos yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I, I hate it. Gosh, this summer, the three different times, people were just like they're heading over to the Ace Hardware, just smashing all the windows. Unbelievable. Yeah, This is actually the part where the movie almost lost me, because I, I thought initially, like going into it, I thought it was going to be more contained. I was like, oh, you know, something will happen, and these guys are clearly going to get loose and kill some people. But then it's like, oh, the power went out, and they're Trying to stop a nuclear power plant by protesting, and now there's riots. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so things, things get a little hairy, but then it's great because right at that point, after the first hour or so, where you think it's going to completely unravel, and you're like, God damn, there's there's like amazing performances in this, and it's all going to be wasted. Thank God, Jack Scholl is able to reel it back in. And then the second half of the movie is this really, really like tight uh, proto slasher, not really slasher home invasion thing, and it's fantastic. It's it's really, really great. Uh, Yeah, uh, I mean, what if the strangers was good? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's it's it very
0: much goes into yeah home invasion territory. It's even echoes of stuff like Straw Dogs and. uh, yeah, just a lot of hammy acting that, that kills, I gotta say, and the, mm-hmm. we we should have mentioned the intro, because that might be the best scene in the whole fucking thing. Oh, the intro rocks. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: The opening scene, yeah, this really set me up for, I thought I was gonna see the proto hidden with this intro. Uh, the film does not quite live up to that level, but yeah, this opening is incredible. Do you want to describe it, Adam?
0: Uh, yeah, it's basically uh, Landau, who we have not been introduced to as a lunatic yet, is just like eating it this diner mom's diner and it's just this very sort of empty again you can kind of see where shoulder would go into elm street from here because that's kind of what this feels like a very surrealist empty diner and he gets served up this fucking like rotten fish and all of a sudden pleasance comes out of the back with this ridiculous comical knife and is yeah given a very flowery speech uh a, a biblical wrath stuff and uh threatens to murder Martin Lando, essentially. And then it's it's revealed as a dream sequence from this insane preacher. But, uh, man, it's a hell of a cold open, I'll say that. Yeah,
1: it's fantastic. Um, and it, it's great, too, because you're like, oh, something like that can really set the tone for a movie. It's like, no, it doesn't set the tone at all. It's just fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it's also great because, I don't know, I think Shoulder's... He's really underrated as a director, obviously. I mean, we're doing this episode, we're talking about his work, and uh, I think a lot of his his bigger theatrical releases kind of got dragged a little bit or just buried in the sands of time. But my God, like the guy, he has a real command over his films that's impressive because he's not flashy at all, but just the most beautifully competent filmmaker You could possibly find. Everything is just is just tight and controlled. And even when in within Alone in the Dark, a shaggy ass movie, at any point where it could totally go off the rails, he's so good at taking you up to the edge of that cliff and just kind of inching you back a little bit. Um but yeah, it's uh it's it's fantastic. I don't know why this isn't a more popular horror movie, why it isn't, you know, revered in, in the horror canon. And I think part of it is uh shoulder's more notorious follow-up to Alone in the Dark kind of buried him with horror fans for a while because horror fans are all fucking morons. Uh but yeah, it, it's wild to me. I don't know why this isn't a, a big hit on the horror circuit. Why the fuck aren't people talking about Alone in the Dark? Uh, not enough Jack Palance, that's why. <laughs>
2: Well, even I so, with the, the palates you get along with Landau and Pleasance, I mean, as we said, these guys are not slumming it. They, you know, oh, no. they, they're, they're certainly dedicated to keeping this thing going. And, uh, yeah, I think this is... A, I, I had never heard of this film before we mentioned this podcast. So, yeah, it is a testament to maybe dumb fucking horror fans that this legacy is buried. But this is a real gem. I, 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 yeah. I highly recommend anyone see, seeking this out if you haven't even heard of it and putting it on one Halloween season.
1: And count me among dumb fucking horror fans, because this wasn't one that was really on my radar until recently, so. Uh, I'm pretty sure a, we've seen this gem, movie, uh, we've seen this movie like 15 years ago, I gotta say. That's uh, possible, too.
0: Oh, it, it's um, not possible, it is it is fully reality, you, you've you just blocked it from your mind, which I almost did, too. I, I, from my- I kind of recall it, but I also had confused it, I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie, but I confused it with some, like. 70s Palance or Palance Pleasance film where he's like wandering through oh. fucking
1: underground tunnels, tunnels. and it's as yeah. boring as that's shit that's what I thought this was that's <laughs> yeah, the, I thought too. the exact same thing and that one's called like raw meat or something <laughs> Yeah, and I that's thought correct. this was raw meat and then it wasn't and then I was like I don't think I've seen this but apparently I have so yeah, there you go I've got both. dementia <laughs> great this is good is this what's going to happen we're just going to keep doing Optimism vaccine We'll be like we're going to do the movies of Jack's shoulder now. <laughs> well, Jake was uh, quick to point out that we've already
0: covered Elm Street too, actually, but uh, that's all right. Eh, no, I think it's whatever. behind the paywall
1: these days. So, <laughs> Yeah, we were unpaywalling it for this discussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It, you definitely seek this one out. Uh, I, I think is this is it streaming anywhere? I don't think so. But no, there's ways legally. to watch it. Yeah, it, it was not
0: streaming. We we did have to all go out and buy buy Blu-rays. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, we
2: definitely we definitely bought Blu-rays. I, I think Shout just <laughs> released like a special edition blue with all the the, the frills attached.
1: And How terrible is the artwork?
2: Terrible. That's a great question. <laughs> now that you mention it, I'm gonna have to look this up. But yeah, I Fucking think hideous. It's, <laughs> I think uh, maybe it's it doesn't have as great of a legacy like like you said it is kind of a shaggy dog movie it's it's really in no hurry to get to the the home invasion sequence which is really just the last 30 minutes um but there's some good stuff in that sequence and like one thing that caught my eye is um when the the good doctor is yelling out the window to the psychopaths and saying hey your your old doctor is still alive he's just in a new city we cut to these just random shots uh, of, like, the forest area. And if you look close enough, you can just kind of see the outline of the psychopaths just standing there waiting and listening. And I thought, ooh, that's eerie. So there's a lot of good things in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, mm. a lot of people will probably come into this fresh, so maybe I won't entirely expose the uh, the twist. It is a good twist, but it also is a twist that if you're familiar with uh, the genre, you'll be like, I bet you this <laughs> i i bet this guy what's he doing
2: <laughs> i i was- co- completely caught off guard i i it got me so that's what I'll, that's all i'll say
0: there you go it's it's pretty good i'll grant it that i uh, this movie also has lots of good eighties bullshit this like i i don't know i guess it's a fictional band sort of it's like a uh underground punk super group if you will called the sick fucks that are doing a, a very odd stage show that that's quite a nice break from the tension and also uh, concludes the movie in very 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 strange fashion <laughs> uh, this has oh my God, uh, the end
1: of this is so good it's
0: bizarre
1: <laughs> I don't even I, know I like what to make of that it frankly. shoulder shoulder was probably it was like man I don't know how to really start this or how to end it but I've got all the in-between parts so he's like I'll just put in like two basic non sequiturs one is a surreal dream sequence the other is just fucking some psychotic screen, there's like just screen chewing nonsense. It's fucking awesome though. <laughs> yeah. It, and, I and don't totally know what to fits. make of the it end. Fits but the it fits the tone ruled. completely.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just so nihilistic. <laughs> like Jack Palance just like at this fucking punk show holding a gun on someone. And ah, man, there's something going on there like i i, I don't know it, it, it feels like yeah. it, maybe there's this, a false sense of gravitas but but suddenly it mm. feels like uh, an interesting piece of commentary with that ending i gotta say
1: yeah yeah it's uh it's good stuff so i'm assuming yeah if you're listening to this maybe you haven't seen this either and uh seek it out seek it out go get that shout factory blu-ray with the ugly cover art yeah uh, you're, you're, it'll be, you're it'll used be to like finding
0: an underground slash you haven't seen you're used to one thing and, and that thing is not like three legitimate great screen legends who are not fucking phoning it in and uh, carrying this thing it, they, these are
1: yeah. and a real Stan director Landau in a Pleasant's studio room. film yeah.
0: right yeah Palance, yeah. Pleasants, and Landau are all fucking fantastic in this like this is A plus scenery chewing it's everything you'd want from from horror villains
2: <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah, totally,
1: totally. Well, when you have a very promising debut, uh, like Alone in the Dark that you've written and you've directed, where do you go next? And for Jack Shoulder, I don't think he wanted to become just a horror director. I don't think that was his ultimate goal. Uh, and he was offered a script for The Nightmare on Elm Street, and they said, hey, you want to you direct this? And he almost passed on it. Because uh, he thought it was a little goofy and uh, (laughs) he ended up taking it anyways because he thought it could help launch his career, which is also kind of a weird thing to think about too. Can you imagine like you're like, I really want to establish myself as a director. I'm going to take a nightmare on Elm street sequel. Like that's just, especially this script if
0: they handed this script to him, which apparently it was incapable of uh, interpreting. I'm, (laughs) I I, we're going to have to get into this because I I I don't believe anything that's said about this movie (laughs) like I don't believe it everyone's
1: claims are horseshit yeah I that's that's my theory (laughs) yeah so I'm assuming most of our listeners know but if you don't know so you've seen a nightmare on Elm Street too and you're like a lot of gay stuff going on in here and not gay like your older brother used to call you when you were in middle school, but gay is in like there's a, there's a lot of like homoeroticism, and I don't want to call it necessarily subtext because it's quite overt <laughs> at certain yeah,
0: points. Yeah, is like repressed homosexuality emerging in adolescence. It's like a hundred percent
1: right there on the fucking screen. Yeah, which is which is fine because like you you lay it out as as that, and you're like okay. And then it's also one of those things where, man, I don't really want to think about this too much because then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, your homosexuality is a monster that emerges in your adolescence and yep, hurts yep. everyone around you. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that doesn't sound so good now that we're talking about it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little rough there. Now, I, I think that like, I don't know, he he's talked about this. In particular, Jack Shoulder has, and also the the writer, and then of course the lead actor. Now it was hard for the lead actor because he was pretty new to acting. He's talented, and his previous movie was like an art house film where he played a gay kid. So there's problem number one. Uh, Also, he happens to be closeted. Like he was, I mean, he's not closeted anymore, but he's gay, and he was closeted at the time. And so he was trying to not get typecast and also get, you know, thrown under the bus by Hollywood, who I mean, God it took him it forever to figure out. It's like, oh, yeah, gay people can be in movies. Isn't that great? We talked about when we were doing an episode a couple of weeks ago, what happened to Rupert Everett's career in the 90s? Well, it didn't go so well. The uh, same thing. And he, so basically he was trying to get out of that. And he thought that this would be a way to do it. Now, the writer of the movie was like, eh, put a bunch. Of, I, I'm just basically going to load this up with homoerotic subtext that is so thinly veiled that anyone with half a brain could figure it the fuck out." And then the writer would go on after this. The movie uh, it ended up. I don't know. It was it was difficult on the on the lead actor, and he uh, it was. Atten is his last name, I think. And yeah. Mike Patton, yeah, Mark Patton, but not the one who sings. No, Mark Martin. Patton. Mike Patton's Mark. the singer of <laughs> uh, Faith No More. Uh, <laughs> Mark Patton. But his career, he, he didn't really do much after that. He ended up basically retiring from acting. He lives in, like, Mexico now. I think he does interior design or something. Uh, there was, there was like an entire documentary just about him. Is he kind of back now? Good for him. Good for yeah, him. Uh, he seems to be doing some stuff these days. Got a lot of stuff That's in, in production right now. Well, that's lovely because for a long time he basically was like, I can't get work, I can't get real roles. Well, I and mean, a writer...
0: lot of these are, uh, there's a film called Amityville Clown House, so I'm not going to suggest that he's getting like some uh, some big A-list productions <laughs> going on. But but there's a Polonia
2: Brothers work.
1: joint. <laughs> it, it might it be, might
0: be. They like to throw Amityville at every goddamn thing
1: they make. No, it is not. It is not. Unfortunately. Oh wow, wow. That's what a, what a shame. What a shame. But anyways, the writer of this movie. It, Patton w- was like, hey, this guy's a dick. And he kind of like fucked me over. And the writer was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't write a gay movie. And he did that for decades until he finally was like, okay, hey, I, was, was, I did it on purpose. Uh, but basically, he just gaslit the shit out of Mark Patton and uh, kind of said that the movie turned out seeming gay because Mark Patton was gay and he gayed up the movie too much, which is. Fucking horrifying. Uh, and then our boy Jack shoulders over here, and he's like, "Well, I, uh, I, I don't know. Didn't seem like uh, a gay movie to me." <laughs>
0: oh, bullshit, um, man. That's all I have to say. Like this, it's not just on the page, you know. It's not. It's not like boy, this script has some homoerotic stuff going on. It's like, no, the way it is shot. There's like the guy's bedroom has a sign on the door that says no women or something. It's like, no, (laughs) no girls. I think it says no out of town girls or something like that, but it's (laughs) out of town is very small. So it just says no girls in huge print while he's doing this fucking like ridiculous dance where he's jerking a phallus and uh, in like his skivvies to to like a, a female bubblegum pop song. It's like. Yeah sure, sure, none of this. I'm sure you you had no idea what you were doing shoulder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean not just
2: that, but the big set piece where we started a gay SMM club. Oh, for Christ. And the main guy follows his coach at school back to the showers and the coach is held up by jump ropes and like his clothes are ripped off and he's like towel whipped to death in the shower room and it's it, did he do it as Freddy? Did Freddy may, make him do it? There's this whole there's that whole sequence. Uh and mm-hmm. but yeah, how do you how do you film that? How do you stage those shots uh, and like not question hmm, there's you know something something else going on here and can't quite put my <laughs> finger on it.
0: Okay. Yeah, everyone well, is just I like actually, sheathed I trust sweat Jack. To.
1: Oh god. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> everyone <laughs> is, is pretty moist in this movie. I I'm I'm actually on Jack's shoulder side for this one because when he said that he, he didn't really know, he clarified that and he said And I quote that the movie was about repressed sexual angst that every teenager experiences. And that quote, that angst can express itself in the question, am I gay? So. He's just seeing it as like a a broader, you know, expression about sexual angst. But also, I think that's a much more nuanced approach to it, Uh, because, you know, I mean, it's it's not like Mark is maybe just gay. I, I think he's struggling with some stuff. Mark could easily be a pansexual icon, Myros. Do you ever think about that? Well, all I'll say, Steve, is uh,
0: I'd like you to go back through the film and count how many uh, uh, acts of Freddy's violence are uh, toward women in this film. Because the answer is <laughs> <Yeah>. zero. <laughs> it's just, he's yeah, just fucking going at hunks the whole
1: time. It's just a hunk of palooza. He does, he does shred A lot of hunks are shred. Um, yeah. I, yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> It's it's weird, though, because the movie was kind of savage for this when it came out, and it was a big joke for years. This is like a classic, like, oh, crack.com 2007 list where, we're like, what's the gayest gay that ever gayed in a horror movie? And it's it's always this, you know? And it's actually what makes it one of the better Elm Street sequels, honestly. Like, it's, it's a top-tier Elm Street sequel. Yeah. And the things that hold this movie back are... Things that aren't related to any of the gay subsex stuff at all. Uh, Most notably, they made a a very odd decision to bring Freddy Krueger into the real world. So typical Elm Street rules are, for the most part, like he's just he's just in dreams. And that's what makes him scary. Uh, They break the rule, too. And uh, I think in was it Freddy versus Jason? They break the rule. Something like that. I, I don't
0: it. know. The, the point is, though, that this is this is two. There's not rules at this point. Right. This is the one movie. Well, you can kind of take it where you but, want. It but to. I mean,
1: I guess I guess that's true. But I mean, the, the groundwork that that Wes Craven laid out was, you know, this is this is how he gets you. And you can play with that in the sequel. But again, and Wes Craven has commented on this. I agree with him. What makes Freddy Krueger scary is he he gets you when you're asleep, when you're the most vulnerable. If you take him out of that, he's less scary. Case in point, Robert Englund, who is amazing, just one of the best to ever fucking do it and is so good at Freddy Krueger. Once you place him at a pool party (laughs) and he's running around (laughs) the pool, you have created a logistical nightmare because Robert Englund. uh, How how big is he? Because he looks to be about five foot eight and 130 pounds he's not a large man okay no and all these hunks that he's shredding these are big hunks real big hunks okay and uh, shoulder ran into the same i mean he ran into the problem i think they did an admirable job here of making freddy krueger still seem as scary as you can given the situation but shoulder said that he actually couldn't shoot this scene he had to have uh one of his ad's do it because Every time he would shoot Robert England, like, running around, chasing people at the pool party, he couldn't stop laughing. So, <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm i glad that people are starting to reclaim this one and, and kind of look at it in a different critical light. Because it's fucking good, man. It's it's a good movie. It's got problems. Uh, yeah, I think when we
0: did our, our Elm Street, like, episode that is paywalled now was... Uh- I have it number two. I think it's I think it's the most interesting Elm Street sequel, frankly. I mean, is it the most like, you know, rewatchable Halloween y thing? No, but it's it's got ideas, which is more than I can say for I I, I mean I yeah. I like most of the Elm Street sequels, but they have ideas in like the special effects guys have some crazy ideas, and they're gonna plot out all these sequences. They don't have like yeah. anything to say by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. and, and this one does.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love yeah, I, Dream I, Warriors. I think, <laughs> Wait, I do too. I would say most
1: people put three at, at, at as their you know top Elm Street sequel, and I think Dream Warriors is good. But if you want a movie that is you know also fun to watch, but has a little more oomph behind it and something to chew on. I, I think two is better in that sense. Uh, three is, is a better traditional sequel. Like three feels like, okay, okay yeah. we're hitting the reset button. Yeah, it's I funny though, sure. because people always talk about Elm Street 2 as like a failure, but it didn't do that bad. I think it, it had like well, it's a the $3 million dollar budget. Yeah, and it made 30 million like and, yeah. and then God, how many sequels came after that? It, it did no worse than Elm Street three, which is like revered among annoying horror fans. So there you go.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's it basically saved new line. And then it's the reason why we have more nightmare sequels is because it did so well. Uh, I think people exactly. just love the first one and they flocked to it. And even if they were let down back then, I'm really glad this has sort of been reclaimed. And uh, yeah, I think I would have it as in my top three of the nightmare films, uh, included with the first one, of course. But yeah, uh, yeah no, the, mm-hmm. the fact that this has something on its mind and there's you know there's certainly a lot more thematic angles it's going towards as opposed to, like every sequel after is basically just, all right, here's a group of teens. We're going to meet each one. They're all going to have a quirk and they're going to have a death dream by that quirk. And there'll be a final girl or something to show a mirror at Freddy and kill him. And then he'll be quote unquote dead until the next film. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that this is taking swings, uh, e- whether or not they were known by the crew at the time, uh, it makes it, uh, the, one of the more memorable films.
1: It oh, is. Everyone not named Jack Shoulder knew, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. Mark
0: Patton. I don't, it's, it's, it's bizarre stuff, I gotta say, but I, I do really like this film a lot, and I think it is, uh, yeah, if it hasn't been fully reclaimed, it ought to be. I, I feel like it's, uh you know up there with like when we were first you know getting into this sort of stuff like Halloween 3 was this thing where it was like what a piece of shit there's not even Michael Myers and now it feels like everyone has has come around and is like right, everyone's an idiot this movie's amazing and this this needs to head to that direction because really it is one of the better you know of these franchise horror sequels that were dumped out ad nauseum
1: in the 80s it's it's a really interesting film mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and think about, too, what you have with Elm Street 2, it it is, it's, it's super interesting, there's a lot going on in it, and when it misses, at least it's fucking swinging for the fences, so good for Elm Street 2. What you could have had is the original idea, uh, which was vetoed by one of the, the execs at New Line, who happened to be a pregnant woman, but... The original idea was the movie that eventually became Elm Street Five. It was supposed to be like a whole possessed baby fetus thing. Oh yeah, and that worked so, out real well. That's easily the worst. Worked out real great. Yeah. <laughs> What's the shittiest? Exactly. What is the shittiest Elm Street sequel? It's Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Full fucking stop. Don't come at me with Freddy's dead either. That's a great no. Movie. It's Eat five. Shit. Five is fucking a, a slog. <laughs> it's just a terrible. Yeah. Goddamn five movie. is a slog. <laughs> yes, and, and whereas Freddy's dead is like, do you like Looney Tunes? Good. Here's a great Looney Tunes movie where people get eviscerated. It's fun. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so what you could have had would have been just the absolute generic uh, slog masquerading as something like dark and mysterious. Uh, I I think two is one of the last times two where they they really kind of get the tone of of Freddy Krueger from the first movie. Still, Uh, obviously he's cracking a few jokes here and there, but for the most part, he's still like scary and ominous by by the time you get into three, four, five, especially 6 uh he's a full on joker
2: there's so. no uh, welcome to primetime bitch in this one
1: no, no. yeah there's he's unfortunately not asking no for his bourbon friend.
0: and whatnot yeah <laughs> 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 uh you got to wait one to get into like joke freddy but uh, people love that and i i do too 3 is a fucking blast but this this is less fun but man it's it's just there's something here that's for sure i i I'd encourage anyone who has dismissed this film to to go give it another look because it's it's really an interesting mm-hmm. little thing.
2: Yeah, we're gonna get the world to uh, agree that special effects. Freddy Two, Halloween Three, and Friday the Thirteenth Five are all great movies. Yep.
0: <laughs> oh, I one don't know about days. that last one exactly, but <laughs> I have to rewatch it. I suppose I, it's been a long while. I don't hit the Fridays it, that often. <laughs>
2: Better than you remembered. That's all I'll say.
0: Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm probably where most people are with Elm Street, where they'll just be like, oh, let's watch uh, Dream Warriors because it's fun. I'm, I'm that way with Friday the 13th, where I'm like, let's just watch four and call it a day because that's what I want
1: from a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. Also, I think Jack Shoulder is, he's the essence of Optimism Vaccine because uh, what, what's an Optimism Vaccine movie? What's in the Optimism Vaccine canon? It's... Uh, a kick-ass weird 80s studio slasher movie that somehow no one's heard of uh but everyone should watch and it's uh, a a sequel in a horror franchise that everyone thinks is shit but I, we're here to tell you that it's a fucking lie and it's actually great so yeah shout out jack shoulder shout out elm street 2 you know Go there's
0: another it. movie yeah, that we're going to discuss soon enough uh we keep teasing that we're going to do a Patreon episode, but you know, I, I think that another one, one of these movies that the uh, old Halloween ends is pulling from, you might, you might be looking at it right here. <laughs>
1: There's uh, a lot of parallels. I feel. No, mm-hmm. oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, shoulder, he, uh, he's really got this trilogy of these great movies, uh, right smack dab in the, in the middle of the 1980s. And the third one is, I think most people would probably beg this as his best movie. I know Myros, you're gonna you're gonna stump for probably alone in the dark, but yeah, that's uh, easily. His let's best talk movie. about <laughs> the hidden. And if you don't know what the Hidden is, I think it's the closest a movie has come to really capturing the energy and mood of like a a violent. 21st century video game which is amazing because the hidden was made in
2: 1987 it's Grand Theft Auto yeah the opening scene (laughs) is Grand Theft Auto 30 years in advance yeah or 20 however Mm -hmm. long I don't know I'm old (laughs) yeah the hidden is a it's a real religious experience of a movie Uh, I fucking love it so much the opening is insane It's Chris Mulkey who one of the CD guys on Twin Peaks robs a bank and then just goes on this shotgun car chase rampage where every cop in the town is trying to stop him, but no matter how many bullets they put into him, uh, he just keeps going like some kind of flesh terminator, and we find out, oh, there's a gross, like, an alien slug monster that is possessing his human body, and it can go from body to body through the mouth, and uh, Kyle McLaughlin is on the case to stop it, and it's fucking fantastic.
1: It really is. It's, uh, it's special, man. And there's another one, too, where uh, I know Warner Archive put out a Blu-ray, and they maybe sure it's got a few more people talking about it, but another movie people are sleeping on way too much. Uh, the Hidden, it's fucking fantastic. It's just some balls-out action, uh, ridiculous ultra violence. This is... I mean, God, (laughs) especially for 1987. I was just like, oh, I bet this got banned in the UK like immediately.
2: Yeah. If you love 80s bloody squibs, this is the movie for you. Look no further. You've you have come to the final destination. This is like all you would want in an action movie. If you just want to see blood popping out of people's clothes, it is it is Mm -hmm. phenomenal how how many squibs there are in this movie. Like you can't count them all. It's crazy.
1: It's a real good, like, like just a Saturday night, you know, you want to have a few beers and just throw something on that you can kind of turn off your brain and and just enjoy and just let it wash over you. This is it. It's it's so great. And solid performances, amazing action. Once again, shoulder, God tier director. Uh all three of these movies. I I don't think they would work without Jack Shoulder. He's the special sauce. Okay. Uh, Elm Street, too. God bless him. Uh, maybe, maybe it worked to the movie's benefit that he uh, he was so oblivious or saw it as more of a broader sexual repression narrative alone in the dark. Absolutely would have fallen apart without his his instincts and the hidden too. it this could easily just be a complete goofy farce uh, or it could be overly self-serious. And it just kind of like walks this perfect line. And it's weird. It's it's got an off-kilter feeling to it that uh it just it, it really makes it something special. So Myros, tell us all why you're wrong and you didn't like this one that much. I I don't I don't really love it when a movie makes me go like,
0: oh, it's the dead zone, oh it's body snatchers, oh it's they live. Like it, it just felt uh, repo man, it just felt like there's like 30 movies. Just kind of popped into this one thing and smushed together. And I was just kind of like, well, I'd rather watch most of those other movies, frankly. Like, it's just, it's, it's mm. fine. It's a, it's a fun enough movie, but I, it was kind of flat for me, I gotta say. I, uh, oh, Starman oh, is Starman is another big one. That's all over uh, this see, thing. And, and
1: all you, are just, you're just naming great shit. It's, do you, do you like go to, uh, you know, the Bellagio in Vegas and you see that big buffet and you're like, oh, too many good things here. I'm just gonna walk away from it. Well, no, I'd rather have a steak dinner
0: than a, a fucking a piece of steak from the buffet and it would, alongside uh, fried chicken and six other entrees. I, I guess I'd rather have the the really good entree. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, so my metaphor didn't hold up. The point is, I I, I think it's great. Um, Sometimes
2: you want a good yeah, In and Out Burger uh
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's again i don't want to sound too harsh on this movie i'm just gonna kind of pipe down a little on it because i think it is a, a fun enough thing i just don't it didn't uh it didn't really hit for me i just was like okay yeah this I, it feels like i've seen this so many times before maybe if i'd seen it in my younger days i'd be i'd have some sort of uh nostalgia for it instead of it feeling kind of like warmed over leftovers to me a little bit but they're uh, not bad leftovers pretty good meal uh.
2: <laughs> I, I think i a with the food thing. metaphor yeah and plus there are no flame throws in starman i'm sorry to say i watched that movie last year yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but um no i i uh, you know i understand the hey it's fine you know i my reaction is like just a kid in a candy shop just because i'm reacting to a lot of violence uh, i think jack shoulder himself has said this is his favorite film of his own but uh, we should mention with these three movies and something I like about Jack shoulder, he is the king of the ninety minute runtime uh, this he does not mess mm-hmm. around like he gets in, gets out, he doesn't you know there's no one hundred and fifteen minute l- runtime looming around these parts you know he he's got the right length to carry these stories home, and I think that's something else we should applaud
0: that's very yeah. true. I think he's one of his strengths is. Casting too. Like all these movies have a pretty bang up cast, I think. And yeah. Like we didn't mention Clue Gulager in uh Nightmare on Elm Street 2. He's in this as well, but a much lesser part I
1: would say. But he fucking rules and oh, kicks ass. He's so good. And he really sells like some of the stupid shit like it, the real like goofy cornball like stuff. It's not coming from yeah. It's not coming from Freddy. It's this weird situational shit. And I guess the bird scene. That's one of the reasons. Like when people ask Wes Craven why he didn't direct this movie, he's like, "I read it. And I saw the fucking bird scene. It passed." <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> which I could see that because on paper it's just like. And then Freddy possesses two birds, and they explode. Or one is like dead, and the other one explodes after attacking the family. <laughs> and crew
0: Guliger is just like jumping to conclusions the whole movie he's like oh, must be that my seed. must be that my son put a firecracker in the bird seed it's like what what would make you think he would do such a maniacal thing i, I don't know and then yeah when he has a nightmare he's like guess he's on heroin <laughs>
1: <laughs> fucking no, cool he's Gulliger. great like he cuz it's such a straight performance and it's it's written to be a straight character but Because Kulik delivers it with such conviction, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's like, or or when, uh, after the shower scene, when he comes back, uh, when uh, Mark Patton's character comes back, and he's like, son, I got two questions, and I'm not mad. You just got to answer honestly. What drugs are you on, and who gave them to you? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: Oh, and in the it's, new line of it all, you keep seeing, uh, Lynn Shay pop up in these movies, too. Yeah. It's quite entertaining yeah, in, yeah. in little roles, uh, and... What this movie also has Danny Trejo in the end. Like, before yeah. he's anyone, he's just, like, sitting in a prison cell. Which is, like, probably where he was in his life at that time. <laughs> they just, like,
2: swung the camera through a prison. And that was Danny Trejo. Yeah, there he is! Yeah. Yeah, oh. he's just, uh, he's a casualty of the, the alien monster. But uh, <laughs> you know who else gives a good straight performance in this movie? Kyle McLaughlin. He's incredible. Oh, so good. Like, it, it's, thi- I mean, just imagining the pitch, you are, you're an alien from like the planet Altria or whatever, and you've possessed this human body and you're trying to find an evil alien and destroy him with this little device, but he has to be out of his human body to do so. Like, there are so many actors who would just totally fuck that up. But Kyle McLaughlin it sells it so well. Uh, and I think he's the reason why a lot of people uh, like, remember this movie fondly. Or it's, it's certainly one of the reasons why I, I choose to champion it the way I do. But yeah, he's, he has just the right uh, uh, tone for this. And, and he looks also just really cool driving a car and firing a gun out the window. Like, uh, you know, he wasn't in many action movies, but Kyle McLaughlin's great. I am going to gush about him. He's fantastic.
0: He's no Jeff Bridges, yep. uh, but that's all right. I I was yeah. more, I, <laughs> I guess I will give it to this Michael Nori fellow because I have no idea who the fuck he is. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a real limp, like second banana, like in the buddy cop movie. And no, he holds his own. He He's actually yeah. pretty dang good.
2: <laughs> he's he's yeah, he's great as well. I think everyone in this movie is aptly cast.
0: Yeah, there's no, like, standout Uh, problems, which you see in a lot of these, like, movies that are like, oh, here's detective so-and-so, and and it's just, like, the most wooden bullshit you'll ever see in your life. But no, it's like, yeah, it's a good ensemble, for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: That's the same Um, thing I would say in, like, Alone in the Dark, like, when there's the family set up, and it's a slasher film, so you're like, oh, this is gonna be like this you know these guys are going to be cutting through this family, maybe the father'll survive or something save his daughter or something, and you legitimately mm-hmm. don't want to see any of the family get killed. You're like, "Oh, I like these characters they' they're nice <laughs> there's no one even- of actions mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, even like when you bring the sister in town, you think, oh, she'll be disposable no." She makes it.
0: Yeah. You don't want, you want them all to survive and they do. So good work alone. The oh,
2: and a precocious child. Who's maybe a little too smart
1: for her age, but somehow didn't annoy me at any point, which is you God, give, give Jack shoulder the Oscar right now. Best director. <laughs> just we're going back in time. Give it to him. Cause that is a fucking feat. I hate children. Absolutely hate them. <laughs> if I could take every child and throw them in that, in that like uh car grinder at the end of Halloween kills, I would do that. But Uh, unfortunately that's uh (laughs) dalton you're okay just don't become an actor i know you live in tinseltown buddy but that doesn't mean you get get that acting bug
0: (laughs) i don't know i if i were jake i'd start uh, getting him auditions you know that he could be done working he could have earned his life's work uh, in like 10 years you know
2: (laughs) oh no you believe me i am begging casey to exploit his cuteness i mean blonde hair blue eyes he's a cute kid star child
0: just think of Macaulay Culkin. He sure, his is. his father was monstrous and, and traumatized yeah. him. But but the guy doesn't have to work a day in his life. His his entire adult life, he can just flit around going, "I was in Home Alone and have exactly, all these yeah. mm-hmm.
2: In forty years, Dalton can yeah. appear on red letter media, and <laughs> he
0: can. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe in the press <laughs> he'll decry his his monstrous father Jake. But uh, you know,
1: yeah.
0: he'll come to realize eventually while going to bat a comfortable for Michael Jackson.
1: <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I I don't I I think you should exploit your child totally because, you know, some some parents they're like, oh, he's so cute. And then you look at your baby like, I don't know, your baby's kind of fucked up, but you actually have a cute baby. So that's that's good. You might as well use it. He's only got it for so long, right? He gets a little older, mm, start true. to lose that cuteness. Yeah, I was a cute baby. It didn't go so well real quick. You know, you got about,
0: I had about like eight years, maybe, and then it started to go real south.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. We will Dalton, uh, your clock's ticking, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, just... uh, enough about exploiting children. Uh, any final thoughts on the cinema of Jack's shoulder hair? Are we going to do a, a sequel episode to this at some point? Probably not. Are we gonna shoulder pill, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna fucking watch a bunch of DTV
0: schlock. I mean, not that we don't do that regularly, but this is like yeah. this is like late era. Oh, I'm DTV. Sorry, yeah. What
1: podcast is this? <laughs> I
0: I understand what I'm saying and why it's wrong, but I'm just saying that you know the a lot of his stuff. <laughs> he was making theatrical films in the era that I'd be interested to watch DTV stuff, and making DTV stuff in an era where no one should watch <laughs> DTV stuff, like.
1: 1999
0: or something like no one wants to see that it's going to be awful <laughs> yeah
1: well who knows maybe maybe we'll do uh I, I don't know we could we could do renegades that's that's from the late 80s uh and it's an action movie how bad could it be yeah maybe, we could. maybe we'll do renegades and uh and supernova who knows just and because, yeah, we could, could also just never do, watch supernova again
0: we also got to do <laughs> Wishmaster. if we do you know there might be enough for one more episode i take it back you never know you never know I still wow. don't know why we we'll are doing one out. episode because I really, I, I, again, and I'm not, I'm not like, what a terrible episode, what a, what a bunch of shit movies or something, but it's, it's kind of like three nondescript '80s genre films, uh, yeah, and the main standout that, aspect of the director is that apparently he's uh, thick-headed enough that he did not understand <laughs> that
1: Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> 2 is a very, very homosexual Just- film. <laughs> A supreme talent, a supreme underrated talent, but also, yeah, he, he wasn't like, oh, it was a little, little much. I,
2: <laughs> I think you're, uh, you're being a bit too hard on Jack Shoulder. I think we've, you know, we've revisited, or at least I have, an 80s sci-fi classic. Uh, I've discovered a new mm-hmm. horror gem that I would definitely recommend to others. And hopefully this allows people to reevaluate the second or the first uh, sequel in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So. I would say compared to the, a lot of the other shit we watch, we've done some actual good here. This is a this yeah. Is, I'm gonna put this We're in doing the as a good episode.
0: I'm not gonna complain. I'm just saying he made like three seven out of tens, and uh, that seems like an odd <laughs> an odd reason to highlight a particular
1: director. I mean, for an '80s horror director, though, come on, like that's
2: pretty pretty he's, good. Batting he's doing good work me. here.
1: Yeah, but yeah, this is this is the theme in November. It's good shit November. So uh, here's your first batch of good shit. Go watch some movies. You haven't seen Alone in the Dark. I know you haven't. Go watch it. What are you doing with your life? Uh, but yeah, I think that'll pretty much wrap things up. So if you are listening to this episode right now, you know what you can do? You're saying, man, I really like this. I really enjoyed this. I had, I had never heard of The Hidden or, or Alone in the Dark, and I should really revisit Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Thank you for providing this incredible service. Well, there's a link in the description of the podcast you're listening to, and that'll take you to our Patreon. And wouldn't you know, you can give us money. How fun would that be for you? It would be great. And if you give us money, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. Uh, may, maybe it'll be a copy of the hidden. You don't know. You have no idea. You think I'm, I'm not dumb enough to accidentally uh, from a four for 44 Warner archives sale, accidentally get the hidden twice. I might be that stupid. You got no fucking clue. Do you? Steve, by the way, I, so, I mean,
0: it is, it is a lower tier than we would normally mention on here, but we did have a, a new patron is going to be getting something from you soon. Uh, just signed up yesterday. Uh, one
1: Bradley. Thank you, Bradley. Oh, shout out, Bradley. Thank you, Bradley. Yeah. So, yeah. Big bad Brad. You're getting a, you're getting a movie in the mail, bucko. Get ready. Uh, yeah. So, if you live in the continental United States, uh, I'll send you shit. It's cool. You get a free movie. At the very least, you give us a couple bucks and you get a movie out of it. So, that, that seems fun. What a fun treat. And uh, there's also higher tiers. And if, if you donate the five dollar level, you get to vote on actual content that goes on the show, uh, and hey, you get your name read right out in the air. So who are those uh, those five dollar friends of ours? Uh, we have Kofax Kropotkin, uh CWW Evan, Ryan, uh, Dustin, and of course Paula. There we go. And then and then there's the the highest tier of optimism vaccine patronage, and and when you do that. Well, you get to dictate an entire episode, which is amazing. Or in Paula's uh, case, it's, it's a segment which well. you,
0: have, you have seemingly
1: skipped today, but uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll circle back. Right. shit. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm a little rusty. I missed a week. I, I also got, I got a little bit of a hangover. I gotta be honest. That seems to be a common theme with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you you can give us money, and, and because Paula, her request was, hey, don't, don't, take away putting stuff over i like that i I want that to we we said okay paul you can you can forfeit your episode and we'll keep the put over so Myros, what are you putting over this week
0: uh as per always i watch nothing so i put over the one thing i ever do watch and that uh, this week was barbarian uh i'm not entirely sure whether it's good or bad uh but it's it's interesting i'll give it that um there's this whole mystique around this movie like hey, don't spoil yourself, you're gonna want to be shocked by what happens. Me, I'd almost say the opposite. Maybe look at it a little bit, and don't go in, like, have some expectations. It's not really a horror movie much at all, it's just kind of a, an interesting exploration of, like, gender dynamics and the power dynamics in modern society, and, uh, it's pretty fun, but it's also kind of a mess, and uh, I'm not sure about it yet. But uh, again, a- at the very least, it's trying something, and that, that these days is, is kind of rare.
1: So we'll-, we'll give it the wreck. Mm-hmm. Barbarian. It's been a blessed year for horror movies doing well and being at least a little bit interesting and a little bit different. So I uh, hope that trend continues. Jake, what are you putting over this week?
2: Well, Barbarian would have been mine, but uh, I'm a bit more enthusiastic uh, on it than Myros is, uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, I'm a happy guy, but uh, I recommend that. Myros isn't gonna known recommend. for his
1: enthusiasm.
2: <laughs> we're, uh, we're in November, and I'm going to be spending this month uh, catching up on uh, 2022 releases, but I'd like to recommend a brand new release, uh, The Banshees of Anishrin, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, I know a lot of us love what the previous filmmaker, Martin McDonough, did. And his last film. But uh, no, this is, uh, this is a rebound from that, however you feel about his last movie. And I think it's, it might even be his best film. Uh, it's certainly up there with In Bruges. Um, but uh, I won't say much about it. I just should say you should go to your local art cinema and uh, watch it and support it and uh, check it out. Let me know what you think.
0: I wonder if we have audio of Jake putting over three billboards. I don't think we do. I think it was just you, in the I think it was just in not. the Slack. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's
1: just it's just, yeah. just a Sean Gliddens accusation. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week I'm I'm not going to put over a movie. I'm not going to put over a video game. I'm not going to put over music. I'm going to put over a concept. Uh, get fired. Lose your job. I might lose mine on Monday. We're going to see. And uh, the reason is, is because I have a, well, one, it's, it's the end of the month and you know, that's the end of the pay period. That's when people get fired. Um, I have a boss that I regularly butt heads with uh, vocally. Just very, not, not, a, not a good relationship. And I, I don't necessarily think he's a good person. So I made a decision. And I am going to uh, I'm going to dress up as him for Halloween. I found a grotesque uh, rubber mask that somehow looks exactly like him, which is amazing because it was uh, it was at Spirit Halloween for ten dollars. And the name of the mask is Street Thug. So uh, that's kind of funny. And yeah, it looks exactly like him. And it's 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 horrific. Uh, I also was able to screen capture his background on Zoom. So my plan is we've got a big call on Monday morning and I'm going to be him. So let's see how that goes. Will I lose my job? Maybe Uh, another great reason to become an Optimism Vaccine patron patron. Dalton seems to be enthusiastically supportive Yeah, Steve, what I advise you, do
0: do not rely on unemployment. It it may take uh, several years
1: for that to to (laughs) disperse you. Yeah, I'm going to put over Maro's finally getting his unemployment from three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out government bureaucracy. Um, Yeah, anyways, if you like the show, uh, you can... You can tweet at us at OptimismVaccine or you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back next week. Jake, Glassworth is yours.
2: Hi ho, heidi ho.